0: Hi, I'm Olivia Belanger, the health solutions reporter for the Keen Sentinel and the host of Invisible Illness. We're so excited to be back for season two and for our listeners to be able to experience some new additions to the podcast. You can now watch the interviews for each episode this season on our website or on YouTube, as some of you may be doing right now. We also have made full transcripts available on our website and on YouTube. These additions wouldn't have been possible without funding from the American Press Institute, who we extend our deepest gratitude to for helping with this project. Now for our first episode, please welcome Sabrina Leaf, a 29-year-old Keen resident who is living with complex post-traumatic stress disorder, also known as CPTSD. As you'll hear, Sabrina was extremely vulnerable with us about the trauma that led to her diagnosis, her struggles to get a diagnosis, and how she is now able to manage her symptoms. Without further delay, here's Sabrina Leaf. Well, Sabrina, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So I'd love to start with when you were first diagnosed with CPTSD and what sort of events or symptoms led to that diagnosis.
1: Sure. Um, I was first diagnosed with CPTSD uh, about three years ago, when I was 26 or so. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, that had been long in the coming for for many years. So one of the things that, Defines CPTSD from PTSD is that um, with PTSD there's usually one event particularly that was traumatic that you need to recover from but with CPTSD it usually involves repeated and prolonged exposure to trauma Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, often it starts in childhood which it, it did for me so I've kind of been living in it and with it all of my life Mm -hmm. um, but it's much harder to get a diagnosis for and particularly if you're living in it and you're not aware (laughs) that you're living in trauma so um my my parents raised me in a religious cult uh, so there was a lot of uh, control Mm -hmm. a lot of manipulation um, a lot of correction Mm -hmm. through you know physical means through emotional neglect, et cetera. Um, so I originally went to a doctor for depression and anxiety, and that's when I was diagnosed with CPTSD, as well as <laughs> manic depression and anxiety and panic disorder, etc.
0: And we don't need to get too much into this, sure. because I'm sure that it's difficult to talk about, and I'm sorry that that's something that you went through. Um, but I'm curious, you know, when did you sort of realize that that was what was happening to you and like you needed help? Like I I would imagine that was a hard conclusion to come to.
1: It is. um, I didn't have any concept that my life was abnormal from anybody else's until um, I was about nine years old. Mm -hmm. My parents decided to move us from North Carolina to the panhandle of Florida for a specific cult that they wanted to join. They had been more into like a generalized practice of a lot of uh, these different things, but um, there was a cult particularly that they wanted to join. So um, we moved into the cult and onto their campus and our next door neighbor had a couple of kids about my age and their daughter Joy became my best friend. And she was a little older than me, mm-hmm. and she really helped show me, like everything that was going on mm-hmm. in our lives. Um, she would help me understand when I was being punished that it wasn't okay to be punished for right. certain things. Um, when my parents, you know, couldn't or wouldn't feed me, I went to their house to be fed. Um, she taught me how to hide my books. We would keep our books, like, stashed under the beds and in bushes outside. Um, so she not only showed me a lot of what was happening in our childhood, but also gave me the the strength and the means to, to start rebelling against it and to start exploring the world for myself. So once I started reading books in secret, going to the libraries to hide what I was reading, uh, just really opened my eyes I started seeing things from such different perspectives um, things that I I didn't understand or I had a very angry worldview on inherited from my family Mm -hmm. Uh, it was just a a huge discovery point and from there you know just kind of built and built and built um, particularly after my, my father passed away when I was 12, mm-hmm. and uh, that kind of shifted our family in a, a, a big way. Yeah. I became one of the main breadwinners for the family. I had a full-time job in high school uh, to keep food on the table, and uh, but that also kind of gave me a bit more of a position of authority in my own life Sure. Uh, to be able to start standing up for myself and kind of embracing more of, of who I am and saying that, I don't share these beliefs
0: yeah. 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 well that's extremely powerful that you were able to do that at such a young age and to take that sort of step to to saying that you don't want to be involved in that I'm, I'm sure there's so many people that are still in those worlds because oh, they yeah. don't have that strength so you should be really proud of yourself for that thank you and um, how old were you when you officially got out
1: well um we We actually left that particular cult shortly after my father died because um, they kind of turned on my family, started saying really horrible things, and basically drove us out of the church. Um, But my my mother and family uh, still practice in those same beliefs to this day. Um, I myself, it was very difficult because when you're raised in trauma and you're raised in religious control like that, you do not get to develop an identity separate Mm -hmm. from that. I never had a real childhood. I never had that blissful experience of just slowly discovering who I am. I have constant imposter syndrome in terms of like, is this who I am? Or is this who I've become through trauma and life and just trying to force things to work? But I didn't, officially walk away from that part of my life completely until I was about, um, 23. It took some years of saying things and starting to walk away, but when your whole identity is wrapped up in that, you're walking away from yourself into just this void. It's terrifying.
0: Yeah, and you know, am I making the right decision? Am I overreacting? Well, especially yeah. when you've
1: been threatened with hellfire all your life, I'm just sitting there, like, right? Am, is this the best thing for me now? Am I going to end up in hell later? Yeah. Like, am I going to be tortured for eternity? Mm-hmm. That's what I was raised with. So, uh, and you just you have no one. There's no one on the other side to help you. There, there's nobody else who can help you determine who you are or how that looks. Um, and it's it's a very lonely road to recovery generally.
0: And so when did you decide that you needed help and what was that journey like to getting a diagnosis? Like you said, it was difficult to get that specific diagnosis.
1: Yeah, it was very difficult. Um, Honestly, the hugest barrier was that I've always lived in poverty Mm -hmm. and continued to live in poverty and had no access to proper healthcare you know the only healthcare that they offer is really like you can go into a clinic and they're like you're depressed try some meditation here's some pills mm-hmm. um so i really wasn't able to finally push through those barriers to get to see a psychiatrist and a cbt therapist and everything until um i was married and about yeah 25 26 is when i i had been pursuing it the whole time but it was just financially and in my life almost impossible yeah it was like crippling you know to to know that there was something there and i couldn't do anything about it except suffer through it in silence essentially mm. um so when i finally was uh diagnosed he actually my cbt therapist was the one who diagnosed me a couple of years ago and he took his time um based on what i had said he he felt that I had not received proper care mm-hmm. um, or attention. And he felt that just simply depression or anxiety were side symptoms essentially of a sure. much bigger problem. So um, he spent about five months with me before he officially gave me the diagnosis of CPTSD. Okay.
0: And since that diagnosis, how is like having that helped you and sort of what are you doing to you know, combat this, obviously it's something you're gonna have to live with. Um, But you know, what has been helping to sort of alleviate those symptoms? Uh,
1: I mean, just having the diagnosis itself was an immense relief to me. Uh, Just knowing all my life, essentially, that there was something and that I needed help, but I couldn't have access to it. Um, So just finally having that validation and having someone say, I hear you, I see you, this is what you're struggling with, Mm -hmm. and I I can help you get through it. Um, That has has been an immense relief to me. Uh, Aside from that, um, I see a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. about once every three months to just make sure that my medicine is regulated. I was Mm -hmm. very closed off to taking medicine for many years because... um, that was part of the, the cult. I wasn't allowed access to regular healthcare, sure. doctors, medicine, et cetera. Um, so I was very nervous about taking anything that would you know, affect my body or, or what right. have you. I didn't want to feel like I would become a different person. Um, but honestly, uh, the meds have changed my life. Mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of other people who struggle with depression or trauma, and I hear those same concerns I had, and all I can tell them is, like, if it doesn't work, come off of it, but please try. Right. Like, if you feel comfortable with that, if you get to a point, my brain simply has been redesigned by my circumstances, and it does not produce the chemicals I need. So uh, store-bought is fine, right? (laughs) There's There's a huge stigma, especially I find uh, since I'm young, Mm -hmm. most people – Feel that it's a phase, or that you know, I'm just a young person going through anxiety, wanting attention. Right. Um, I'm just taking meds because I'm you know, a pill popping young person. Sure. <laughs> I don't know, sure. I get a lot of flack for it, particularly from like middle aged to older people in the community. But, um, it's made it to where my life is functional. Yeah, um, I can get through my day without dissociating, without panicking, without wanting to kill myself, um, so I, I really couldn't go back. There was actually a point where I ran out of my meds between uh, my refill, mm-hmm. and I was off of them for about a week, and I had to relive, essentially, what it was like to live my life without meds, and it was shocking to me. I just suddenly realized, I was crying to my husband one night saying, I lived like this for years, and years I lived like this. Yeah, Like, it's, it's truly upsetting to, th- to think about. Yeah. Uh, and then aside from medicine and, and therapy, um, it's a, a balancing act in my life of um, working on myself and also just accepting my limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for instance, having CPTSD is exhausting. My brain is, is constantly tired because I'm, I'm always trying to keep up with these perceived threats sure. and whatnot so i don't have the same energy level as the people around me and a lot of the time it's i judge myself for it and i feel other people are judging me for it like you know you're young you should be energetic you should be getting mm-hmm. all these things done why can't you and then i just have to have compassion for myself and be like okay you know i I have something else that other people don't have that takes a lot of energy from me. Uh, it doesn't look like it does, but, but it does. A lot of trauma-based work, like I did with my CPT, uh, CPTSD therapy, pardon me, was um, identifying triggers mm-hmm. and forcing yourself to experience them, to relive those memories, those feelings, um, so I've, I've done a lot of very emotionally draining work just really forcing myself to enter into situations that are uncomfortable for me mm-hmm. um, talking about thinking about things that were truly painful and traumatizing to me it's all part of the process of healing mm-hmm. um, a huge temptation For anyone suffering from trauma is to trauma block, to avoid, to not think about it, to just push on and keep that buried deep down. Um, And I've even found that, you know, as time goes on, there are certain parts of the trauma that just pop up because I've Mm. become healed enough that I can start to handle some of the other stuff that's been buried deep down. Um, So... There's, as I said, it's a balancing act. It's a, it's partly working and f- pushing myself and also being like, okay, I've pushed myself and now I have to have compassion. Sure. So, sure. yeah.
0: And you talked a little bit about how, um, you know, taking medications, that, that stigma you've experienced, people, you know, saying various things to you about, you know, about that. What other misconceptions do you hear a lot when it comes to CPTSD?
1: Um, I guess just... Not knowing what CPTSD is yeah. uh, is, is a huge thing, because people just think, oh, PTSD. Oh, so you had one traumatic event that you just haven't gotten over? That's right. a huge thing. People are always like, why haven't you gotten over it yet? You know, And there's always some answer mm-hmm. that people have of... You know, you haven't meditated. You haven't had a good best girlfriend. You haven't tried going sure. to Macho Picchu. You haven't, you know, <laughs> right. it's just everybody has some sort of an explanation and an easy, oh, well, you just haven't tried this. Right. This is going to change your life. I, always, yeah. always. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not how this works. But thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess the recovery people people think of that as being a much easier process sure. to. When I tell people, I mean I don't advertise it. When, when I do tell people that I struggle with this, um the first reaction I often get is you're too young. Mm-hmm. You are too young to have trauma. And it's it's very it's invalidating very
0: response.
1: It <laughs> is. I'm like it's, are people too young to get ill or people too young to die. I I don't understand that response, but essentially I am too young to have had experiences that are actually worth validating.
0: That must be really difficult to hear, especially because you shouldn't have to explain every single time. Well, this is everything that I've been through actually.
1: Yes. Well, and that's the thing people expect an explanation. Generally, Mm -hmm. they want to hear what's your reason and it better be good enough to in my mind for you to have a diagnosis and need help Mm -hmm. and extra compassion yeah and as this thing is entitled invisible illness it's invisible i look perfectly fine Mm -hmm. especially after many years of therapy and work i am pretty good at presenting happy typical person um so it's just a lot of the time i'm just shut down not believed not listened to um and people have very little compassion for it. Right. I'm held to the same level of expectation as everybody else around me who is perfectly happy and healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's hard, because it's already a very isolating experience. So that's just even more isolating. When the biggest thing that they say is supposed to help with CPTSD is uh, mending Interpersonal bonds, essentially, Mm -hmm. creating connections with society, with friends, with loved ones, and essentially healing those past scars. When the people around you are saying, No, you're not even ill, go away. Mm -hmm. That's just that much longer of a road of recovery for me, honestly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And especially because it's already hard enough when youth are diagnosed with a mental illness to think, but like, do I really have this or, you know, there's a lot of self doubt, at least there from is. my experience. There absolutely um, is. Yeah. yeah. So like hearing that from outside perspectives just sort of adds to that monster. And is there any advice that you would have for someone who is dealing with, um, obviously not exactly your same circumstances, sure. but anybody who might think that they're dealing with, you know, a traumatic, um, incident that they're not sure how to handle?
1: Um, I'd say the first thing is if you think it, then you probably have most people who, uh, feel that kind of doubt uh, about whether they've gone through trauma um it's on your mind for a reason mm-hmm. it's it's um something that i think almost everybody who's gone through certain types of trauma experiences that doubt and that like did it really happen to me was it really that bad mm-hmm. um does this something i really even need to talk to somebody about is this really gonna affect me it already is it's already taking up your mind space. Please see someone. Please talk to somebody. Even if you only have like one trusted person in your life that you can just say, this is something on my mind. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, keeping it all inside is is just going to make it worse down the road. It certainly did for me. And secondly, um, you know, we're still here. Mm-hmm. Every day, you're still here. You still have Strength. It's enough to have curiosity about the next day and about what's going to happen. Sometimes that was all I had, you know, when you're dealing with suicidality and that sort of thing and depression and uh, there's a a huge sense of shame and worthlessness that comes into trauma with CPTSD particularly. Mm -hmm. Um, There are just some days that uh, didn't seem worth it. So uh, the only thing that kept me going was just being curious. I'd say that was that was one thing I heard a therapist say to me once and um, it stuck with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not always feeling optimistic about my future. But I am curious about it yeah. and I'm not really ready to tap out just yet. Something wonderful might happen. Yeah. So my last piece of advice would just be keep pushing at those barriers that keep you from being able to get the real help that you need. It took years and years of me doing that and it shouldn't but um, it's worth it in the end to get the care that you need.